Toronto Raptors podcast, the Raptors Reasonablest podcast. I'm your host, as always, Blake Murphy, not joined this week by my Reasonablest counterpart, Eric Green. Hopefully, our guest this week uh, is even better. It's She is a new contributor to the Athletic Toronto, Sirit Sohi. Uh, welcome on. Hey, thanks for having me on. It is exciting that you've signed on to the Athletic Toronto. I was very, very excited to hear the news. Welcome. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. I hope I can live up to your expectations. You absolutely will. You already have. Your first piece was so good. Well, speaking of my first piece... Yeah! Your first piece was about uh, Kyle Lowry. And, but Actually, before we talk about your piece, I guess we should talk about... Uh, we're recording this Monday. It'll go up Tuesday. Kyle Lowry's comments on Monday at Toronto Raptors practice. He was asked about uh, Donald Trump's executive order, the travel ban on seven Muslim-majority countries... Uh, and Lowry pulled no punches. These were his comments. I think it's bullshit. I think it's absolute bullshit. Our country is the country of the home of the free. For that to happen is bullshit. I won't get into it too deeply, but personally, I think it's bullshit. Uh, he was then asked to repeat it without swearing so that CTV could get a uh, family-friendly quote. And he said, no, not at all. You'll have to beat that out. Um, Sirit, Lowry's comments, uh, a- any thoughts on them? I mean, I think he might think that it's bullshit. He might think that it's bullshit. And, and sorry for the language, everyone, but if Kyle Lowry says it, uh, we're probably okay to say it. He might yeah, think exactly. it's bullshit. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's usually how I how I look at things, too. If Kyle Lowry does it, I think it's okay to do it, too. But, yeah, no, first of all, I think it's great that, that he and other members of the Raptors feel okay speaking up. I know uh, Casey had his comments about it, too. I think it's important that everybody is able to voice how they're feeling especially on issues like this the sticks at sports mantra has definitely fallen to the wayside in the past few years when we've seen everything that's going on the sticks sports have- thing goes out the window when a reality tv star with zero political experience is the president like anyone no one no one has to stay in a lane when it comes to politics anymore <laughs> yeah that's, that's true that's, that's, that's definitely a good point but you know without getting into it too much I'd say that, you know, I'm happy that he said something because especially in light of what just happened in Quebec with the the shooting in, in the mosque, I think it's important that, I don't know, I just, I, I just think that vigilance is important in a time like this. I don't think Canadians can just, you know, stick to the notion that we're not, like, we can never be like Americans and stuff like that can never happen here. I just... You know, we we just we just witnessed an identity-based violent attack happen on a religious ground. So I I just I, yeah I think it's important that people are speaking up, that people are just doing whatever they can to to like whatever's going on is not acceptable. And you know, hopefully hopefully there's more more to come. There's I don't know maybe something like substantial, something tangible happens. But yeah, for now it's like I'm I'm glad that guys are speaking up. It's good. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. Luol Dang, just before we started recording, uh, released a statement that a lot of NBA players were passing around um, with the the phrase proud refugee. Um, Lowry was very clear, you know, that uh, he he said something along the lines of he's not a politics expert, but when it comes to stuff like this and you feel so passionately about it, 
um, you have to you have to speak up. You have to feel that need to. Like you mentioned, Dwayne Casey had comments as well. Uh, Masai Jury spoke for almost 10 minutes with media. Uh, he was very emotional. Um, it made me very emotional listening to him talk, and it's obviously something that, that lands really close to home with him. He has a camp planned for this summer in South Sudan, which is one of the one of the countries on the list. Um, Luol Deng, obviously from there. Thon Maker, who was just in Toronto, uh, would fall under the travel ban theoretically as well. We don't know if it's going to apply yet. Um, so this is not something that is just you know, out there and to pay attention to at a world level because it's good to pay attention to things. It is going to resonate if you're an NBA fan and it's going to resonate if you're a Canadian. And I thought your point was great that we're not, we're not shielded from this. We can, you know, we should be really proud of our diversity and continue to be very welcoming of that diversity here, but we can't be hubristic enough and ignorant enough to think that it can't happen here because those things like Quebec City, people like that exist, and Kelly Leach exists, and the same kind of groundswell stuff that people laughed off in the U.S. a couple of years ago exists here too. We have to be, you used the word vigilant. I think that's a great choice of words. Um, we should, we'll, we'll pivot from here. Um, something else the Raptors should maybe be vigilant about, uh, this is the weirdest segue of all time, to go from talking about that uh, into talking back about basketball, but there's no easy way to do it. Uh, your first piece for The Athletic. A radical solution for the Toronto Raptors as they limp through a tough, spe- tough stretch. Take it easy. The point of uh, the theory of your, of your piece, Kyle Lowry is playing too much. Kyle Lowry is under a ridiculous workload, especially with DeMar DeRozan out. Um, obviously, the Raptors have not followed your prescription so far. But for anyone who didn't read it, and you absolutely should, obviously, uh, can you give any? Can you give the people kind of a quick elevator breakdown of, of what your piece got to, Sarah? Yeah, certainly. So the way that I was looking at it was just watching the Raptors. Well, before I wrote the piece, which I I, I wrote it while they were playing the Spurs, and uh, so it had to come out right before uh, they're back to back in Memphis, and it was right around the time that Kyle Lowry had also just like while I was watching went down with uh it looked like it was it was an ankle injury he was fine he ended up playing playing out the rest of the game and then went and traveled uh to Memphis for the back to back which is exactly what I was uh I was cautioning against the, the the idea of the piece was basically that the lap the raptors are basically limping anyway they're they're not playing with a lot of energy they they kind of just play were playing like they needed to cleanse their palate and i think rest has a lot to do with that um, especially with the Rosano, with Carroll just limping back and forth, like he he gets healthy and he hurts himself again. Patterson was uh, was coming off the knee, came back too early, then also had to sit it out again. So it was like my my idea was basically kind of a midseason tank, if you will, like just sit out a week, reevaluate, get everybody's legs back under them, and then. Play it out until the All Star break, and then uh, from there, you know, you're you probably got a rest advantage on on the rest of uh, on the rest of the Eastern Conference, especially especially this wasn't in the piece, but especially if you consider the amount of minutes that LeBron's playing, which is around 37 or a little bit over 37, which is uh, which, and I say 37 because that was uh, a major point in the piece was that a a team hasn't won the finals with a player playing over 37 minutes per game since the Detroit Pistons in 2005. That's, so that's an interesting stat. I guess that cuts two ways. One is that if you're overtaxing your guys like that, um, you, they're maybe not going to be in great shape for the playoffs. And also if you need to tax your guys like that to win games, you're probably not uh, good enough to be a championship contender. 
Yeah, pretty much. And that's that's kind of that's kind of the in-between point that the Raptors find themselves right now, which is what, probably why it's harder for them to consider resting than the other teams. But, yeah, my thing was basically, like, you know, like, let's see what – like, let it happen. Let's see what happens. If, if, they're, if they are contenders, they can do this. And if they can't, then they'll fail and we'll know. Instead of going with your strategy of rest, though, Kyle Lowry instead played – 159 minutes over four games uh, since you began writing that piece. He played 42 at San Antonio, uh, 40 against Memphis, 38 and change against Milwaukee, 38 and change against Orlando. The Raptors went 1-3 and three in those games, losing the three losses by a total of five points. Uh, needless to say, they did not follow your plan. Kyle Lowry is now up to third in the NBA in minutes, behind only James Harden and Trevor Ariza, who have both played four more games than him. Uh, and he's only five minutes back of Ariza. So stands the reason that after this back-to-back Tuesday-Wednesday, if Lowry doesn't sit, um, he'll probably be in second in total minutes played in the league, which is uh, not great. And DeRozan, even with a, a couple games missed, is 23rd. Um, so looking ahead then, it, there's obviously still an opportunity. The Raptors have a weird quirk in the schedule coming up where they're going to have three days off between games, return for three games in four days, and then have eight days off for the All-Star break. I know Lowry and DeRozan are both going to be at All-Star weekend, uh, but we can essentially consider that time mostly rest. I don't think it's all that taxing uh, beyond maybe to your liver in New Orleans. What what would you be doing from here? Are you still looking at this window before the All-Star break? Do you maybe look at that three-game and four-day set and, say, and, and think, oh, well, if they sit those out or even one or two of those, then you've got like this 15-day stretch where they've played maybe only once or twice? Yeah, definitely. Uh, with the upcoming games, I would definitely look at that as an opportunity to rest. Especially, I mean, if, if you didn't think there was enough evidence before, I mean, first of all, yeah, they've gone one and three this past this past week, and you know, having the guys on the floor isn't helping in the first place. They yeah. clearly, yeah, like the, the type of mistakes they're making too. You know, like they clearly, like their heads are just not in the game. We've seen this team at its best. We've seen them at their worst, and I think. You know, if the Raptors are going to have long-term goals, the best thing they can, they can do is set themselves up to be in a position where they actually play like they should be at their best, which means being well-rested. Yeah, and Lowry, I mean, Lowry's been good still. Obviously, he kind of rounded out of that slump that he was in just before the DeRozan injury. Uh, he averaged 31 points and six assists in those four games, shot 48%, shot 44% on threes. Uh, he's been good, but the concern is obviously that, and maybe it's not fair to Lowry, maybe we're prescribing a story that didn't exist because of injury or because of something else but he has worn down a little bit toward the playoffs last year he played really well but he went in that shooting slump with that big lump on his elbow uh, against the Washington Wizards he was pretty much terrible by Kyle Lowry standards in that series uh, is that is that what's driving some of your concern too not just the science but the fact that Lowry the individual has slowed down a little bit the last couple years yeah yeah definitely and you know, there's there's science behind the rest, but also as far as injuries go, like that's not random either. So if you've already got a guy that's a little bit more prone to injury and a little bit more prone to, to being worn out, then you look at the fact that on road back-to-backs, players are 3.5 more times likely to get injured. You, you look at a stat like that, like Kyle Lowry is probably the number one guy in the league that you're looking at because of how many minutes he's play, he plays, his injury history, the way he tends to, you know, even without injury at times, he will wear down later on in the year because he does put a lot of strain on his body when he does play. He's not the type of person who will, you know, if he's, if he's playing 40 minutes, he's playing the full 40. He's coming in trying to draw every charge. He's playing, he's playing good defense. He's, 
you know, trying to go, go over every screen. He's hustling for every loose ball. He's not really the type of guy who can go 80% when it's, uh, when it's, you know, necessary for he his body. He drawing yeah. charges up 30 points in an Olympic game that didn't matter. <laughs> right. Right. Like, that just, that's just who he is. So in a situation like that, I think it's on the coaching staff to save a player like that from himself. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And it's one of those things where, look, Lowry could play at this at this rate and not break down. And then, you know, looking back, it'll be like, it'll look like everything was fine. And, you know, the, the opposite is if he breaks down, everyone can look back and I told you so. But the, to your point about the likelihood of injuries or the likelihood of breakdown, that's really what you're playing with here. And I know I know the goalposts have been shifted a little bit. The Raptors are 7-11 and in their last 18 games. Um, they're down to 13th in offense over that stretch, 19th in defense, a negative net rating. Even when you factor in that they've had some, you know, bad kind of bounce luck when it comes to their net rating versus their record in clutch situations, um, they've been playing really poorly for a long stretch. So I wonder if maybe now with the goalpost shifting, you know, people seem to be worried about is this team even good enough to hold on to home court advantage? Or if not that extreme, are they good enough to hold on to the two seed? Um, you know, the goalposts are kind of shifting here, and I wonder if the goals then may shift from, you know, getting to April in the best shape you could possibly be in so that you're peaking in April, or if it's going to be more of, okay, well, they need to start playing better now because they need to get that confidence back and they need to get that rhythm back. Um, do you think the, the recent stretch of play, whether it's the 1-6 and six in the last 7 or the 7-11 and, and 11 in the last 18, do you think that makes it less likely that, you know, the Raptors would follow some sort of, uh, rest prescription you know DeRozan kind of got his naturally with the ankle injury although I'd guess that having a sprained ankle isn't the same as properly resting uh, do you think it's now less likely that at least before the all-star break Lowry is going to get you know a breather here and there yeah I definitely think it's less likely which kind of speaks to the issue here like they they're kind of at a crossroads right now where they can it, I think it might be just a matter of deciding the team that you that you are because you know, if they like, I just don't understand why you'd backpedal, or at least why you wouldn't try to try to make some progress on that front when you know that they can be a really good team. It's not an issue of there are personnel issues, and I think a I I don't think anybody would uh would at this point, given how they played recently, be opposed to a a deal at the deadline, but at the same time, though, like, the Raptors, as constructed, can be a dominant offense, and they can play really good defense, which, by the way, they do in certain stretches of the game. Like, when the game is close in the fourth quarter, they play a lot better defense, and, like, the stats bear that out, and when you watch the game, too, like, when their backs are against the wall, I think that they can be an elite team. It's just a matter of trying to institutionalize that. But yeah, to your point, I think that they might backpedal on that just because, you know, it's it's kind of a curse of being a team that's that hasn't dealt with much success or is really only recently dealing with a lot of success that you kind of focus on short-term goals because you're never really been used to the long-term goals. Yeah, I agree with that a lot. And I think that's why some Raptors fans are maybe a little prone to overreacting to dips like a one-in-six stretch. Not that there's not good reason. Uh, you know, Eric and I spent this podcast last week trying to talk people down from a, from a much less significant poor stretch of play. And it's it's been exacerbated even with the losses being, you know, at least the San Antonio and Memphis ones being higher quality losses. Uh, you mentioned a potential trade deadline acquisition. Well, I, I know I didn't tell you that we would talk about this so if you if you want to ditch the topic that's fine i just thought i should ask it was a, a buzzy thing on twitter earlier 
Uh, the Magic are apparently looking or, or re-engaging on potential Serge Ibaka deals. He's a guy that the Raptors inquired on when he was with the Oklahoma City Thunder this offseason. If anyone doesn't remember, the asking price was an astronomical Patrick Patterson plus Norman Powell plus Corey Joseph plus the number nine overall pick, which became Jakob Pertl. Um, I would imagine the Magic are going to ask for much less than that, recognizing they're not going to get back an Oladipo plus number 11 pick. Uh, package maybe they are but if they are then they're not going to be able to move Ibaka Sarah does is Ibaka a guy that you know let's assume Paul Millsap is off the market because the Hawks are playing so well um, he might not be who knows but is Ibaka a guy that you make a strong play for to kind of you know not only steady the ship but you know look back to a month ago what Raptors fans were talking about is he a guy that you see maybe pushing them at least a little closer to Cleveland or you know securing an Eastern Conference final repeat yeah, um, I don't know if Ibaka is really the type of guy that moves a needle, at least in my eyes. For Millsap, I, you know, I, I don't know, I don't know how much I would have necessarily given away. Probably, probably a little bit less than what they were asking for, a little bit more than what Toronto wanted to give, which is probably why the deal never really took place in took place in the first place. But you know, if if it's going to be anything remotely like what they asked for in the summer, a Patrick Patterson is so important to the Raptors. He's going to be far more important to the Raptors than whatever Serge Ibaka brings. And you'd be and, super excited to play Patterson and Ibaka together. You'd go yeah. a little smaller with Ibaka at center. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at the, other, at the other end, if it's going to be somebody like Norman Powell, maybe this is me being overly high on Norman Powell, but I think he's an, like, an honest-to-God part of the future, and he's also a part of the present. He's somebody that I think just needs to be developed further and could really, really help the Raptors going forward, maybe even in this, I mean, he, he helped last playoff run. Maybe he could play a, a really critical role in this playoff run. Without DeRozan, he was, he was fantastic and he's only getting better. He's one of those gym rat guys too. So I just like, I, I, I think he's an asset that, that is worth keeping if the return is only going to be somebody who incrementally moves a needle like Ibaka does. Let me ask you one more Ibaka scenario. Uh, looking at the Magic, there very little's come out about what, what specifically the Magic might be after. To me, I look at the roster and their need for shooting and secondary creators. Terrence Ross makes a lot of sense to me for the Magic. Um, you know, maybe maybe Terrence Ross plus one of either Siakam, Pirtle, and then one of the late 2017 firsts. Maybe that's too much. Maybe that's too little. I'm not sure. Um, if Powell and Patterson were staying put and Ross was the outgoing piece, as much as that might cramp spacing in, in the bench units for Toronto, is that a more palatable Abaka deal for you? Yeah, yeah, I like that. And I mean, if you're going to talk about front court crapping, it's not really like anybody's, you know, making much of a case for them for themselves to uh, be able to keep any of those minutes anyway, right? But yeah, <laughs> yeah I think I might I might bulk a little bit of. Then again, now I'm going to go and say I might bulk at giving away Siakam and Pirtle too. But yeah, like I think I think maybe Ross in the first could get it done, even from you know the Magic's perspective. I don't know if they'd really want any of the Raptors rookies as opposed to, you know, a shiny new first round pick that they could envision as being anything that they want to be. I think you is even if those play even if whatever that pick is doesn't end up being as good as either either of the two players in the Raptors, I think, you know, that's just the way that organizations think. That's yeah, it's, uh, the, it's the sales lot mentality of once you drive that pick off the lot, it's down twenty percent in value. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, I think yeah, I would definitely consider that. Okay, we won't talk, I mean, in the coming weeks on this podcast, we'll do a lot of trade scenario stuff. Um, at some point, Eric and I will probably do a two-part podcast and take some trade questions. Um, I have a much more important question for you 
Now, uh, did you see, and I posted a photo, uh, I'll try to retweet it from the Athletic account so that uh, people know what we're talking about. Did you see Bruno Caboclo's new cornrows on the weekend? Uh, I did not, but just give me a second here. Goodness. Uh, so, for those who don't know, Bruno Caboclo was with the 905 in Westchester playing against the Knicks. DeLon Wright was there with him. Uh, Bruno posts on Snapchat. First, a picture of him drinking some sort of latte drink, uh, and then a photo of him not only with a, a milk mustache from that same drink, but also with cornrows. And then uh, it was hard to make out from the Facebook live stream because the Facebook live streams for D-League games are terrible, but Caboclo now sporting cornrow clothes, uh, which is a terrible pun, and I'm going to blame James Herbert because that was his. Uh, but we're, we're going to need a ruling yes-no on these cornrows, and we need to know... Uh, is Bruno now Brazilian Darius Miles? Oh my God! Yeah, I'm just staring at this. I I need to. Anyway, I mean, I might need a second just to, to you process, know, to... right? Yeah, like I. Ooh, you really, you really putting me on the spot here. I just, first of all, the milk mustache is expert. Like it's just so. It's just one of the more uh, more well, well executed milk mustaches I've seen. Good balance on both sides. I really <laughs> like. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of blown away. I can't believe I didn't see this. It did come what? down on a Friday night, I think. Maybe a Saturday night. It was Bruno just he picked a weird time to un, unveil this to the world. So I don't blame you. It's it's his his fault. I mean, it could be one of those taking taking out the trash days, especially, you know, given how it's coming out for him. <laughs> um okay, let's uh <laughs> Out on the weekend, right after you go to the barber, you're like, oh, shit, what did yeah. I do? <laughs> um, so, yay, nay on the cornrows? You got thumbs up, yeah. thumbs down? Yeah, I'm a hard no. You're a hard no. Okay, I'm a hard yes. I okay. think, uh, you know, everyone wanted Bruno to get more of a personality this year in the, with the 905 under Jerry Stackhouse. Everyone wanted to get him a little, uh, you know, stronger, tougher. I think this is, a, this is a good sign in that direction that, you know, Bruno is now, he's now moved from, you know, the early 90s into the late 90s. He's gonna catch up. He's gonna catch up with us eventually. This is this is gonna be great. Um, are there any other any other Raptor topics you want to touch on before before we let you go here? Any parting shots or anything like that? Uh, no, nothing specifically. Um, okay, so Anthony Davis coming in tonight then back to back with Boston before road games in Orlando and Brooklyn. That's uh you know it's not an easy week despite Orlando and Brooklyn being on there. Obviously uh, Orlando showed the Raptors not to take them lightly on Sunday. But that New Orleans-Boston back-to-back, um, Anthony Davis sounds like he's going to play, and then Boston is Boston. The Raptors beat Boston in Boston on the second night of a back-to-back earlier in the year. Um, do you see this slide continuing? Do you think that Orlando loss may be the wake-up call they need? Are they going to round out of this, or is it going to be another tough week where next week uh, on this podcast we're talking people down again? Yeah, I, I'm going to put them on a on a win against the Pelicans at the least. I don't think they're going to – they're not going to come out after how they played against the Magic and then – put up another loss at the at the worst it'll be like a hard fought loss maybe it just that's what i, I think... thought after the charlotte game too though when they came home to play phoenix <laughs> right right that, that's a good point but it really their backs really are against the wall and fatigue be damned like you know it's just you know at a certain point it becomes about pride and i think uh you know hopefully hopefully that's what the pelicans game it is and you know I'll, I'll just say, hopefully we see a bounce back, and at the least, if they lose, I hope it's with, you know, a zero in, in the minutes tab for, for Kyle Lowry. 
there we go. This is good. Full I, circle back to your back to your piece now. Yeah. <laughs> um, the Boston game, I mean, that's a that's a tougher one. Orlando and Brooklyn, yeah, I, I I'm gonna call it. We don't normally predict the weeks or anything, but looking at it, I want to say a three in one week. I mostly this is me just like I'm so tired of writing about what's wrong with them. I would like them to win a couple games and free my mentions for a couple days. It'd be lovely. Yeah, help the reasonableness angle too. You know, they bounce back. Everything's fine. No big deal. Yeah, I mean, everything's not fine, but it's fine-ish. It's yeah. uh, the thing that I've I've most noticed during this streak is it's kind of separated the people who bought into the really hot start a lot and were thinking you know oh they're really close to the Cavs. If you kind of maintained your perspective through that upswing, I think it's probably a little easier to maintain the perspective through this downswing. Um, I had them for 51 wins before the year, and I'm kind of still on that spot. I think they're down to like a 48 or 49 win pace at this point, but they're they were on a 60 win pace at any point. Um, has your has your this is a broad question, but has your opinion on where they are qualitatively changed at all through the hot streak or the or the cold streak, or are they pretty much what you thought they were? Uh, through the hot streak, I definitely reevaluated the way that I felt about the team as far as their ceiling goes because I think you know I think it's easy to get a little too caught up in the statistical revolution and what works is good basketball and what doesn't, and I think the hot streak kind of just you know, gave way to a notion that the Raptors could just like plot up and down the floor at a low pace and have and run the offense through DeMar DeRozan and still run like a very, very high, highly efficient offense and just like, you know, board up everybody and and just get 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 to wins like that. So that definitely changed my opinion on how far they could go in, in the playoffs and that's more of like a constitutional change to how the Raptors are, and I think that they can get back to that place. So I wouldn't say that the the cold streak has uh, has talked me down too much from that. As long as you know they take the right measures and you know try to find a way to actually get back get back into this thing without just focusing on the scoreboard and maybe just trying to figure out a way to get back to back to the principles and uh, play some defense too. Playing some defense would be really really nice. Sirit, I gotta say that was a very reasonable answer. You fit in so well, so quickly on the Raptors Reasonless <laughs> podcast. Thank you, I appreciate that. Um, people can find you at Damian Trillard on Twitter. That's one of the best handles in all of basketball Twitter, by the way. Uh, where else can people find your work other than the Athletic and on Twitter? Uh, I do. I write some stuff for Fan Sided at the moment. I'm freelancing, so I'm kind of everywhere. Sports on Earth as well. So yeah, mostly those places. The best but, move is just uh, Twitter and see what I linked to recently. And obviously subscribe to The Athletic if you haven't yet. Um, of course. I, weird I, I quirk just, where you can subscribe to the podcast without subscribing to the app, so get over uh, that. Yeah. Well, I just assume that everybody already is subscribed to The Athletic. You'd hope so, right? Yeah. If not, do that. Uh, Sierra, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me on. We'll talk to you guys next week. If only to be a reasonable man.